The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy. She's Lynn Ozawi. Hi, Lynn. Hey there, Jules. I don't like to toot our own horn, Lynn, but mm-hmm. we are crushing season seven, if I don't say so mm. myself. Mm-hmm. In fact, my mother-in-law, Ruthie, would say, E, if you and I slowly, you'd lick yourself to death. <laughs> Oh, you know I love a good Queen Ruthie reference. I'll give you one back. E, you're a treasure. You ought to be buried at sea. Ought to be buried at sea. Uh, but sometimes you got to own your awesome. Mm. M- maybe more appropriately, our guests awesome. And we are going to keep the party train moving with our guest today, snowboard cross champion Lindsay Jacob. We spoke with Lindsay fresh off her double gold performance at the Beijing Winter Olympics. That's right. In her two decades in the sport of snowboard cross, Lindsay has stamped her name in the history books and literally defined the sport. She's won five world championships and is a 10-time X Games gold medalist. She has competed in five Olympics, taking silver back in 2006, her very first Olympics, after being in the lead, going into that final stretch, and she fell doing a board grab off the last jump, literally yards from the finish line. And now four Olympics and 16 years later, Lindsay was able to not just grab that elusive gold. Do you get it? Grab. But get two golds at this past Winter Olympics in Beijing. She won in snowboard cross and mixed teams snowboard cross with her partner, Nick Baumgartner. Lindsay shares how this Olympics was on her terms and the results speak for themselves. So get comfortable listening. It's Lindsay Jacobellis. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. and. Honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, 
you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling all right, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. What's Hi, happening? Hello. Hi. I'm well, thanks. Well, thank you for doing this, knowing how crazed yeah. you are and just back. <laughs> no worries. All right. Should we do this, Lens? Yeah. The first thing we always do, Lindsay, on the pod is we have you set the scene. So where you're at, what you're doing, how you're doing, all of that fun stuff. Well, Lindsay Jacob Ellis, I'm in Stowe, Vermont, visiting some family. And it's snowing outside, so it was a really fun drive. Uh, actually, <laughs> it's been a long time since I was driving in the snow, so it was nice to be out there and avoiding the snow plows. Uh, and uh, I'm just excited to get on the mountain with my brother tomorrow because I don't get to ride with him all that much, oh. and especially over the last two years. It's been challenging to be able to link up with family. Um, so I'm excited to have, you know, five more days of downtime and then I will be heading back to Europe to finish my season. Oh wow. my God. Wow. I can't even wrap my brain around that one. <laughs> oh, how are you doing energy wise? I got back pretty much the day after uh, my race with Nick and, you know, it took, it took so long to get home, but when you're crossing the international date line, you know, it's just, it ends yeah. up being the same day as when you took off, even though you felt you've been <laughs> right. traveling for 24 yeah. hours and that was the case. So I got back super late and the first week was just horrible jet lag and I could never get on really a good schedule. And I was just trying to do as much work and zoom and stay busy during the day. So I would stay oh, awake, gosh. but it, it was definitely a struggle. Um, but it's been great to, you know, have time with my parents, you know, get some home cooked meals and Aww, just be you to see all the fam. That's yeah. So be back with my dog and my parents' dog. So it was just nice. And my brother came, you know, after, you know, the first week that I was there, they actually drove down to Connecticut. And so I got to hang out with my brother and his wife and their two kids. So I've had some good family time, which is nice because I've definitely been lacking that in the last yeah. two years. Well, I was just going to say that Olympics looks so crazy. I, I mean, to not have any family, to be in your little bubble, to always be masked, even for interviews. I was like, wow, they're even tighter than they were in Tokyo. I was in Tokyo for for the summer games. Right. How, yeah, what was it, it was, like? I mean, it just became automatic to just always be wearing the mask. So I think it was your own comfort if you went through the mix zone with or without a mask. But mm. we had been following a certain protocol for the last two years that the U.S. team set up. And it was it was great that we had started that protocol very early on because then it didn't seem so foreign or forced or so aggressive at the last minute. So it became second nature. And you know, we all adapt and everyone in the world had to just pivot and adapt to the circumstance. And and you had the, the, the concept in your mind, you're like, okay, there will be an end game to this, but 
part of our sacrifice as being an athlete now just adds this COVID dynamic as well. That was just what we mentally had to be putting in our heads. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It became part of the discipline, it sounds like, of you being an athlete. I I felt I had to mentally prepare myself and, and give it some sort of structure around it. Otherwise, you are just constantly in this feeling of when is this going to be over? I'm so sick of doing this instead Mm of turning it in that negative mindset. It's just, okay, we've got four months to the Olympics. We got three months to the Olympics. Like we're, we're almost there. This is the end game. This is the reason why we've been staying so strict. It's because we want to make sure we can get there. Well, and everything really paid off your fifth (laughs) Olympics to gold medals can we just Whoa, take a moment Lindsay, let's do this. <laughs> thank you thank you so much uh yeah it was incredible and my mindset going into these last games was really just for it to be about me and my experience because the media has over the years tainted my experience of the olympic stage and a lot of people that come only once a year to look at uh, my sport, they really only have a definition of me in those moments. So, mm. you know, I just decided I wasn't going to do any media prior that I was going to enjoy doing opening ceremonies, be engaging with the people that I haven't seen in a long time. And just working on my recoveries and making sure my equipment was all set up and dialed. And I knew how to get on which bus wax rooms were here. The setup was here. (laughs) Like we just, it took, it took a few days to understand the whole layout. And I made that more of a priority than having to get in this outfit and go do media or, you Mm. know, because everything is so just, always outlined from the moment that you're there. And I just didn't like that feeling because that's what I've dealt with in the past. So I just decided to step away from the media and just create my own experience. Give some context when you said the media has tainted your Olympics. Well, ever since 2006, it was, you know, this feeling of failure and Mm -hmm. shaming the country because a 19 year old made a mistake at the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many 19 year olds that, you know, that have never made mistakes, but Mm -hmm. I was forced to relive mine every four years Mm -hmm. when ultimately it's a race. It's just snowboarding. It just Mm -hmm. so happened to be on the world stage, but it was just constantly, it just, for lack of a better word, it was annoying. And it just, yeah. it always, it just was trying to, like, it seemed like the media was trying to always drain this energy from me. So right. I didn't, I didn't want that to be the, the situation. I wanted to go in having, you know, the best mindset I could and make it about me because yeah. this race, this race should be my experience. It should be every athlete experience. And a lot of the times the media comes in and they want to put their own spin on it. And I can now say, you know, they can't really put any spin on it. (laughs) Oh no, the story, like to come full circle as you did that, that's the thing. I was in Torino in 2006 when that happened. 
uh, for NBC watching it. And my heart, like to this day, whenever I saw you compete, my heart like fell to the floor for you. Um, But I was amazed at how well you handled that lens with you saying in that moment, and I don't know how much it haunted you post, but every time I've heard you talk about it, you've said, look, you know, I'm, I'm a young kid that was making a grab. That's what we do. I was far ahead and it wasn't me showboating. It was just like, we have fun in snowboarding and we celebrate the fun. Um, and I thought, oh, that is amazing. So to be standing as I was watching you for this Olympics and your fifth Olympics at the top of the hill and they had the camera right on you, I was a hot mess watching you. <laughs> I can't even imagine you in that moment knowing you've gone to three subsequent Olympics after 2006, didn't medal. And did you know this was your last Olympics or is it your last Olympics? I mean, this is undecided. As you know, I'm still finishing yeah. out my season, so I'm not just hanging it up and being done. I, I, I have given this sport a lot and I've helped shape this sport, especially for women. So it's, it's a weird thought to just be like, okay, I'm done. Right. And so well, that, that's that probably can't, healthy too. Can't, that can't yeah. really work with my mindset. And I have a lot of friends on tour and it's, it's something that I enjoy doing. And that's also what has kept me going. And so many people watching the Olympics that don't really understand snowboarding and the nature of the sport it's hard for them to wrap their head around, you know, that mistake. And it's easy for them to, you know, shame the whole process, but really you're not in that moment. You shouldn't be allowed to judge. (laughs) It's, it's hard for me to watch any announcer or any person that wants to put their spin on it when they don't understand the Mm -hmm. sport. And I have that empathy with so many athletes across the board, whether I'm watching a football game, whether Mm -hmm. I'm watching, you know, collegiate, you know, soccer or whatever. And then you have announcers come in and and say like this person, you know, messed up or they failed to do something. It's like, okay, like, let's see you get out there and try. So my, my, um, my cousin, who is actually an NBC reporter, says said to me recently, she's like, I feel I've been a better reporter because I've understood your background and uh, what it feels like for an athlete to come short of their goal- goals yeah. and to be empathetic in that situation because a lot of the times reporters also feel like you, they, you owe them an explanation And it's just this weird dynamic. So I just didn't want to deal with that. And I wanted to really enjoy going to the Olympics, all the outfits that we get and, (laughs) you know, wearing all the team gear and you walk around the athlete village and then you see other teams in their team gear. And everyone's just so proud to be repping their gear and their flags. And Mm -hmm. it's that energy, but then it's also this, recognition of all these athletes that have sacrificed or changed their lives to be in this moment. So it's that just appreciation, it's that recognition, and it's that shared feeling of accomplishment to be making it this far. So even though you cannot speak to everyone and there's language barriers, like you have those moments. And that's why 
exchanging the pins are always so fun. Like you don't need to be able to be fluent in all these foreign languages to be exchanging pins. Those are still exchanging moments and memories and, you know, re reinforcing the whole dynamic of what it means to be coming together for this time of peace and to be celebrating why athletes have made it to this stage. When you won gold in the, in the women's snowboard cross, what was amazing was to see your competitors and how mm -hmm. happy they were for you. So it speaks to what you're saying as far as what the games were all about. What did that mean to you when your competitors came up to you and were congratulating you? It means a lot because we're all there. We all want to win essentially, but I, I feel, you know, Belle was one of the girls that came up to me first and she said, you know, I'm so happy that you did this. I remember watching you as a kid mm -hmm. in 2006, you know, and you were someone that I aspired to race and race against in, in, on the world cup stage and at Olympics. And it was just so meaningful to get that female support and uh, that they were ultimately happy to be sharing that moment. And it just felt, it just felt so wonderful and it felt earned and, you know, all the blood, sweat and tears that I've put into this sport for 20 years, you know, it could have very well gone the other way, but the stars aligned and everything was in my favor that day. And I was riding well and my boards were running well and it just worked out. Do you remember when in the race you realized I got this? It, I was just so over the moon that I made it into finals. It gets harder and harder yeah. and harder to make it into finals, those top four spots, because semifinals was just as hard of a heat as finals. So I already felt like I had a huge accomplishment there that I had a 75% chance at getting a medal. And I was uh -huh. like, okay, these <laughs> odds are great. I like this. Four competitors in the race. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I like these odds. This is, <laughs> this is something I can deal with and just basically had that moment. And it was when the cameras were like right in my face at I the know. top. And, right. and I was just, you know, I looked and then I waved because at that moment I was like, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. I can't really predict. I can just execute the best I can. We'll see how it shakes out. But ultimately, I didn't want to try to shut that off, that I just wanted to have that little engagement. So there, so I just didn't look so That's just good, cold and I might have been like this, like, hey, get out. <laughs> yeah, but I've no, I know, if, I know from past experience, the media will just bother you more if you try yeah. to push them away. Yeah. So I just had to um, embrace that actual moment. And we were held in the gate a little bit and because we were waiting for the course to be clear. And I just had to keep saying to myself, you know, you've done more races than any one of these ladies. You've got experience in your favor. You know, if you don't win the start, you're going to hunt them down. If you win the start, you're going to execute. So I have so many multiple scenarios going on in my head. And it's kind of compiling as I move down the track. So when I'm in the mm -hmm. gate, I'm just trying to say, you have this skill set and you'll know how to execute when you're in the first turn, mm -hmm. when you're hitting this jump, where you're positioning yourself. But to not have that chatter 
in the gate and in the moment. It's just, you will know what to do and it's going to be what it's going to be. You're either going to get a medal or you're not, you know, and that's, that's how it's going to happen. So I feel once I learned, I got the whole shot. That was when I was like, oh, this could happen. Wait, what's the whole shot mean? Like, so the whole shot is the first one to get to the turn. Got to who is who's initiating like the first turn and who gets in the turn first. Uh-huh. So it's an advantage because then you get your l- yeah. line selection. Um, and yeah, you don't you have to be out of that last jump and you were in the lead. I was like, yes, yes. Because <laughs> I remember you saying, if I could just get ahead of the pack and not fight through the pack, I'm good. I was like, she's yes, there, she's it- there. It did, it did, it did make a huge difference to not have to be working your way through the pack because you just run out of time sometimes. Like, and that's what happens on the world cup tour. A lot of the courses that we run aren't as long. So if I don't get a great start, I have to work my way through the pack, but I've told myself, you know, I'm great at running heat and managing traffic and I'm good if I'm out ahead. So I'm in a great position and it's just going to be how it's going to be. And, mm. you know, I didn't feel like I had a great like pull and first couple of features, but once I started getting momentum, I was starting to be able to generate and get into a good flow. And once I got to the rollers and able to like use my full range, I definitely know I excel in that. And getting the whole shot was just like, oh, this could happen. All right. Focus even more, execute even more soft landings, good turns, not drag. Like, so you just start just Uh, breaking apart the course even more because you're like, we don't want them to gain. We don't want to give any advantages, like just execute and focus. (laughs) If you were to compare your sport to another sport for our listeners who might not be super familiar with snowboard cross, what would a comparison be? Do you think race car driving? I would snow? say that a combination of that and roller derby. I was just gonna say <laughs> roller derby. That's what it reminds me of. Totally, it looks like so much fun. Uh-huh. It's it's really fun because there are so many uncontrollable variables. So that's what makes it great for a spectator. But that's also what can kind of make it fun. Sometimes it feels unfair when you just get a bad you know, hand, or you just didn't really perform well, or you got caught in traffic or you got tangled with somebody and that happens. But then when it turns around and things do work in your favor, you're riding well, and it just all lines up. That's what makes the win even better. So after waiting 16 years to win your first gold, you go in and win a second. What, four days later, three <laughs> days later? I, yeah, it was three days later. I actually thought we were competing one day earlier. So I was, you know, swamped with a bunch of media stuff. And then again, they were hitting me up the next day and wanting to do more. And I was just like, you know what? I'm actually going to go up and watch the guys because it's more information I can learn for the team race. And I want to cheer on my guy teammates. And again, push the media aside. I did, you know, I I did what I had to do like the, the night after winning, but you know, I was kept up till like one 30 in the morning doing media 
And they wanted me to start up early that next day. And I just decided, no, no, (laughs) Um, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go up, I'm going to go up and wear my jacket and ride around, see if the guys on my team need me to loop around and get something and just take some free ride laps and just be like, I won. I'm taking a lap. (laughs) I don't have to do anything you tell me to do. I just won. Well, I definitely, you know, you have another competition. (laughs) Yeah. And I, so I didn't want to get all drained and I didn't want my sleep pattern to get just so messed up by staying up late, I want to make sure that I can still get to bed early. And then it's, I'm not completely, um, you know, thrown. And so I can get back into, you know, what I need to do for the team race. And then the mentality behind the team race was like, well, I just won. Like, it's not, I don't need to win again. And then (laughs) I thought to myself, the Knicks going to want a medal. So I was like, Oh no, no, he was so cute. So I was like, oh God, okay. Same, same process, same movement through the heats, you know, focus on just being one or two advanced. That's all you have to do. And finals will be all out. So yeah, I was really excited that Nick was able to have an immediate redemption. He didn't have to wait 16 years yeah. uh, because I know how that feels. So, you know, his, his individual race didn't go how he wanted. And, and I understand, and I know that pressure and I know that pain. And I was just so happy that it came together for us to get again, to be riding and how we had to change our tactics because it started snowing. It was windy. So mm, we, cold. we had to ride, we had to ride the course completely different. We mm-hmm. weren't doing the doubles. We were pumping everything that's made the course even more fatiguing. Cause when you get airtime, you get a little re- recovery, but when you have to use every feature and pump it, gets a little tiring because it's slower with all the snow right it's slower so yeah. you're even trying to work harder to generate even more speed because yeah. especially when there's a draft you know that someone's going to try to get into your slipstream and use that to pass you so you can't exactly just be along for the ride on the course you have to be attacking the course so you're just at least making it a little bit harder for them to pass you using your own draft. I love all the new lingo we're getting. Whole shot, slipstream, slipstream, (laughs) uh, rollers, good stuff. And then a real full circle moment when you do the grab at the end. (laughs) That was the best. It was so funny because I didn't even realize I did it again. No way. I didn't. And it was Um, only because one of the Austrians gave me a hug and he was like, I'm so happy you threw in the grab. And I was like, what? (laughs) And I was like, instinctive. It was just divine intervention. (laughs) I I thought it was a big this to the media. I mean, we we can we can look at it that way now. It was maybe just my subconscious being like, we should do this right now. Because it's just it's going it's going to play in your favor. So yeah, it was it was so exciting that 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 came together and that I that I didn't realize that I did that. So it did feel like a weight was lifted off of me and it did feel like I took control of my own narrative with the media and it was just done. 
Yeah. You wrote your own story, as Dr. Colleen Hacker, one of our uh, amazing repeat guests, talks about. And I hear how you designed your experience. You said no to things. It just so much ownership and authoring with these games. A lot of lessons we can take away. Yes. And I, I think that's a, a big thing. And that was what I was learning the most when I was doing my mental wellness and my prep going into these last, I would say last uh, eight, six, six years, especially um, because I just, I wanted to make sure that I was taking care of myself and that I was aware of what I maybe needed in the mo in the moment, whether it was just mental, physical, whatever, to really just understand me instead of just being this blueprint or this product to just follow suit. Mm. And with Nick at 40 years old, you at 36, you guys became the two oldest snowboarders to win an Olympic medal ever. Yeah, that was, I mean... I coined it 80s babies because I was <laughs> sick of hearing old and I was like, all right, let's use seasons. Let's like, <laughs> let's use a positive spin on this because veterans. ultimately, ultimately it was better. Yeah. Veterans and it was experience and it was not yeah. getting frazzled. And when you see courses like this and X games where we had similar courses like this, it it played in your favor to have experience. We do see a lot of young riders. They're very strong. They have very powerful movements, but it doesn't always help when you don't have the experience in pack racing and not to be panicked in a moment and to, you know, be fine that you're kind of on somebody's tail and you don't have fully control of your edge because it's on somebody else's board and you're still going off a jump. It's like, okay, well, I'll only use half my edge and hopefully we'll get some space in the air and then not land on each other. So instead of, you know, you see a lot of the, the, the younger kids get a little frazzled and they're, they're not ready in those moments to understand how to keep themselves calm. And it's, it's a, it's a process that, you know, took years to master. And I, I think that was a huge skill set advantage that Nick and I both had. 80s babies. Okay, finally, how would you describe your journey to someone who doesn't know you? I would say it was a journey with so many ups and downs. And there's pressure and there's expectation that I even put on myself that is unrealistic. Uh, but ultimately, I always strive to be the best, no matter who I was competing against. It, it all started with my brother being five years older and whatever he was doing, <laughs> I just wanted to beat him. And it came around like 20, 25, when I'm just like, well, maybe it's just not feasible for me to beat somebody who's 200 pounds, just stronger, but I can get close. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to take some credit then for those two goals, I'm sure. And the, the five Olympics. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's so many people that have influenced my whole background in snowboarding and 
especially there's some women that were very pivotal in it. And Leslie Olson was one of those because I remember being so, so young and small back in the U S open days and being tiny in the gate. Like the, I was just like below the gate handles and I'm looking <laughs> up at these girls that just seem fierce and fearless. And, you know, you look at them with admiration and, also a little scared, but you're like, I'm with them and I'm, I'm going to give it my all. And uh, Lena Ostewald was another uh, female that I just was in awe of how well they rode and how they would attack a course and how they didn't seem scared of any jump. And back then, like the jumps were very big. I mean, similar size to what we were hitting or even bigger. And for a 12 year old to be having to face those, those courses was a little scary. So I, I, I owe a lot of that to those ladies, my brother, you know, my coaches that, you know, took me through courses or helped me just feel better about myself attacking the course. It's, there's not one person. So, I mean, just that no one's really understood how deep my journey has been. It's been 20 years of mm-hmm. surgeries, wins, losses. Mm-hmm. And it was just wonderful that I never gave up on myself and I still loved what I was doing. And that was what was also driving me to keep going because I didn't want to just be done and have that be my mark. I wanted to see, you know, I could go for another 20 years. Sounds like a good number. I'll, I'll shoot for that. And we'll, we'll, we'll see how number, number five, 20 years of Olympics too, of back to back to back to back to back, just to stay in that mentality for that long. Let's see if that five Olympics serves you in the Lynn game, Lindsay Jacob Ellis, (laughs) because this is intense. And I, because I have no competitive outlet anymore, this is where I get actually my competitive juices. Okay. I, I, I respect that. And I probably (laughs) will be in that mindset one of these days. I mean, I could see myself like pushing a stroller. I mean, (laughs) when I even babysit like my friend's kids and I'm like, well, this, this baby's kind of heavy, but not really heavy. We throw some other things in here and make this stroller and go up the hill just as fast. So I could see, I could see yeah. if once a competitor, you're always a competitor it's and you need sad. to always be, it's you not sad. I think, I think it's just understanding that expression. And as long as you can find that healthy outlet, then mm-hmm. I think you're winning. Here it is. <laughs> Let me win. That's what you're saying. Let me win, please. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, you are going head to head with Julie in a trivia game. There will okay. be five questions, best of five wins, and all of the questions are multiple choice. Here's the key. If you think you know the answer at any point, you can make your noise to chime in and answer the question. And on that note, what is your noisemaker today? My noisemaker is my nephew's baby rattle. <laughs> It's actually Perfect. a little dumbbell, little weight. Aww. It's really cute. So <laughs> it is super cute. Jules, we've got the pig is back. I'm not squeezing it yet because Swaggy, oh, she's stirring. Swaggy, my dog, will go crazy. 
<laughs> Watch lens. It's it's complete madness once I squeeze this. I believe it. The theme she of this loves this pig. The theme of today's game in honor of eighties babies is oh, no. all about the eighties. Oh, oh no, I like it. Oh, I was born in the eighties. I didn't exactly know the trivia, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> Here we go. Question one: Who sang? I think we're alone now and Ugh. gained popularity oh my by God. singing in Ugh. shopping malls. I Tiffany. Think we're alone Tif- now. Is it Tiffany? Is it Tiffany? Correct. Or do we get multiple choice? Oh, come <laughs> on. You didn't even need the multiple choice. <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble. I really stink at this. Okay, one zero to Lindsay. <laughs> You knew the tune, Jules. That was pretty good. I think we're alone now. <laughs> Question two. Which sitcom had an alien from the planet Melmac? Is it A, Alf, B, Third Rock from the Sun, or C, Star Trek? Alf, I want to say. Oh, that was... Who I don't know who got in first. Oh, I can uh, barely hear the squeak. It's because Zoom, Zoom, like it's too loud for Zoom. I think I was in. All I right. Think... Well, I said the answer. But it makes what, do you, what do you say, Jules? I wasn't going to say that, but now I'm going to say that because Lindsay well, started than me. Alf. Correct. I don't know. Who, this, <laughs> is a, this is a tough one. We might have to. Okay. Okay. That we'll might throw be a wash. Yeah, we'll that might be a one wash. Okay. That was a practice for Julie. Thank you. I was. Oh, here comes Swaggy. Can't have it yet, Swaggy. Swaggy's, it's very important. Swaggy's mounting a protest. Right Question three: What was the highest-grossing movie of the 1980s? Is it A. E.T. B. Raiders of the Lost. Lindsay Jacob Ellis. It was E.T. Correct. <gasps> Such confidence too. She's like, eh, got it. <laughs> Damn it, I've got to, I've got, Swaggy, you cannot have this yet. I'm squeaking in on this one. I have to, I have to, save me. Question four. What NFL team performed the Super Bowl shuffle in the mid-80s? A, the New York Giants, B, the San Francisco 49ers, or C, the Chicago Bears? Chicago Bears! Correct. Oh, boom, she's back in! Swaggy. Yeah, you get it. You get Question it five. Where did the 1998 Winter Olympics take place? Wait, wait, wait. What was the first question? I can't hear over Swaggy. 98? Uh, 88. Where did the oh, 1988 Winter Olympics take place? A. Was that a squeak, Julie? South Korea. Incorrect. Oh! She didn't even want to wait for the multiple choice. I want to wait. <laughs> Ready. <laughs> Sorry. A, Nagano, B, Salt Lake City, or C, Calgary? Calgary. Correct. Oh! <laughs> Lindsay Jacob Ellis so keeps her winning with streak that one going. Too. Oh. Of course she wins on a winner Olympic question. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Lance. Thank okay. you. Okay, most pressing questions, Lindsay. 
coolest place, because I know you're a big surfer, coolest place you've ever surfed? Oh, gosh, there's a couple of spots. I mean, Fiji was incredible to surf cloud break and some of the breaks around there, yeah. knowing that that's like a WSL break. So, you know, you're like, oh, the best uh, in the world come and surf here. I'm not the best in the world, but I feel a little good, <laughs> you know, a little bit better about myself. And I feel I'm a good surfer that I'm even just, you know, uh, in the mix. So plus that you're was, just in Fiji. There's that. I would just want to be. Uh, in Fiji. Yeah. And that whole island vibe and like all the, the natives, they're just, they're amazing, wonderful people and they teach you about their ceremonies and bring you into their whole culture it's it's really cool it's a i would recommend going there I, it's incredible Jealous. the clear water is like pretty okay too yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's a <Excuse> squeak <laughs> swaggy Lindsay, on your Instagram, you had a great post. You said, sweet 16, it came down to day five of the Olympics, bib five, and my fifth Olympic appearance to get the gold. What is What was sweet 16, and now does number five have a special significance to you? It was just some, you know how sometimes you just see numbers, and yeah. it was 16 years, and then mm. I qualified fifth in time trials, even though on some of the training days I had you know, uh, top three or one. So it was just weird how that went down and it wasn't my best qualifier run, but I ended up with bib five. So I have, you know, fifth, fifth best lane choice. That's what determines who gets to pick what gate is how you qualify. And my fifth Olympics. And I just, I, I kind of just started seeing all the fives. And then Team USA, we had to our qualifying points between Nick and myself. We also ended up Team Five for mm -hmm. our qualification. Ah. So I just thought that that was so cool as well. So I was just seeing all these fives everywhere. Whether it means something or not, it was just a cool coincidence to see yeah. how that lines up. And that kind of goes with my thought process and everything that sometimes just the stars have to align for you to get the gold. Yeah. And so that's what so many people still watching don't really understand because everyone that makes it to this level has the ability to win gold. Yeah. And you're really only fighting to separate yourself at that like 1%. Yeah. You're looking for that 1% advantage yeah. on that stage, on that moment. And it's just, minutes that determine your fate mm. so good so true okay last segment lens is high low cheer this is something i do around the dinner table with with my kids they're high of the day low of the day and someone they cheer for to show gratitude for others um, but for you we're going to do it of your career so the high of your career the low of your career and the cheer is for someone you're grateful for who's helped you along the way we'll start with your high Okay, the high is definitely winning two golds at 36. Yeah, baby! <laughs> <laughs> and um, I would say the low of my career was what I was thinking and what I was feeling about myself when I was letting that 2006 moment define me mm -hmm. so much. And I want to say that someone that I'm thankful for is my coach, Peter Foley, because he was recognizing 
that struggle and that pain that I was having. And he helped me find somebody that would help turn myself around mentally to still be aspiring and still be winning throughout my career. Because even though I would go and I'd win World Cups or X Games, I still felt that I had this part of me that still wasn't good enough. Mm. And whether that always kept pushing me or not, it was still that struggle. And that's, that's not fair to be treating myself that way. So I was really happy that, you know, Peter linked me up with Denise Shul and we found the best way to mentally prepare myself going forward over the last six years. Incredible. Yay, Peter. Yay, Denise. Cheers to them too. (laughs) And a big old cheers to you, sister, for 20 years of setting the standard in this sport. Lynn and I both were discussing how, um, We've just been so amazed at watching your career evolve and all well, you've, you've defined done. a sport. You've yeah, literally defined, defined a sport. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, ladies. It's it's great to have that support from from so many different individuals. Yeah, and then just twenty years later to be able to win those two golds. I'm just thrilled for you. So congratulations again. Thank you for taking thank the time you. amidst all the craziness. Another incredible story. It just blows my mind that four Olympics later, 16 years of living out that moment in Torino, and she completely crushes it with not just one goal, but two at this past Olympics. So good. All right, Lynn, takeaways. What's yours? You go first. It was cool to hear how Lindsay designed her experience at the Beijing Games and was willing to say no to things that did not align yeah. with what she was there to do. Yeah. Very intentional with that, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was uh, an amazing moment as well. Also, in... Sorry, Ian just brought me in something. Just... <laughs> <laughs> That was nice. Thank you, honey. Let's keep it rolling. We're not going to edit that out. What did he bring in? Now I need to know what he brought in. You brought me a little morning smoothie. That was nice. Aww. Mm-hmm. <sighs> He's a keeper. Uh-huh. He just plopped it down as I was riffing along. Okay. Um, I, I, I was thinking the same thing when she was saying that. How she, she said, this is, I'm designing my own Olympics. This is, uh-uh, I'm not doing what I don't need to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is hard for a, a lot of athletes because they think oh the olympics are my moment i gotta do all this media Mm. i gotta wake up at this time i gotta go to bed at this time in terms of doing it on their schedule and she's like nope not today (laughs) not today um my i have two quick takeaways one the fact that she didn't even realize she did that board grab at the end to win the second goal she was literally in the air and grabbed it Mm -hmm. which was uh, kind of a flashback to Torino 2006 when that didn't end so well, and she did that to win her second gold. I thought that was rad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second one was that moment at the top of the gate. And these are the moments where you're just about ready to go, you're starting, and 
and this was before she'd won gold. And she's having, as she kind of walked us through that self-talk of, I'm just, what's going to happen is going to happen. I'm just going to execute the best I can, embrace that moment. And with what, you know, Alana Myers-Taylor had said to us last week, like, it's fine. Don't, you know, you've done more than anyone. Experience is in, in your favor. If you don't win at the start, you hunt them down. She's going through all that self-talk. And it's in that moment, I find those moments right before it's, it's, you know, at the start line in that moment, how are you talking to yourself is everything. Mm. Fascinating to me. How did you talk to yourself before big moments? Um, I usually did just a little dance move and maybe the worm and then. Wait, for real? You'd break out the worm in the locker room? <laughs> a lot of dance moves. Uh, I, I would, uh, my, my go-to was not to think about it too much. As mm-hmm. you know, I'm yeah. not a big analyzer. <laughs> and so if I started analyzing, it was like, oh no, it was just feel it, have fun, go do it. You put in the work, let's go. Which is kind of like what she was saying. Like that just go self-talk. execute. self-talk. Yeah, that, that's, I would yeah. say that qualifies as self-talk. But if I started going, okay, I need to think about how I'm, uh, playing this ball in or mm-hmm. uh, where my positioning is, it would just be like paralysis uh, analysis. What's the word? Paralysis by analysis. Thank mm-hmm. you. But would you would you actually do the worm in the locker room? Oh, yeah. Back when I could do the worm. Now it's just a dying worm. <laughs> a half dead worm. <laughs> you got to snort. Out of me. <laughs> we haven't had a snort in a while. <laughs> do you know the two snorts that you've done in the history of laughter permitted do you know what's elicited them two snorts i've only done two as far as i know as far as mm-hmm. my mental snort tracker goes what what are they the brandy chastain christina lee episode <laughs> of course that one was really was good fun. that was fun yeah, I don't remember what it was, but I snort with them a lot. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. Bro, oh, it had to have been Mia's FIFA, like hole in the pants story. Come on. Oh yeah, I had to there might be snort three snorts. Whole... Yeah, oh, I gosh. snorted through that whole story. God, still my favorite of all time on this podcast. If you haven't listened to that, you have not lived. Go back to the Mayhem episode. Totally um, agree, and that's the first. That's the first podcast we ever recorded and i think we peaked (laughs) we peaked at one (laughs) and then it was all downhill from there okay that's our new motto we peaked at the first we peaked at one (laughs) and then all right quest I think I'm you sorry. had a snort in Emily Sonnets and Lindsay Horan's, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, Emily Sonnet got one out of you. It may have been a, kind of a mini <laughs> snort, but that episode was funny, too. Oh, my gosh. That's a good one. If you, if you are looking for some lightness in your day, mm-hmm. if you're at a moment where you just need to laugh, cue up Lindsay Horan and Emily Sonnet. Maybe first Mia Hamm, then go to that one, yeah. then go to Brandy Chastain and Christine Lilly. <laughs> A lot of it's laughing. It's always the soccer gals. 
We're funny. <laughs> Soccer gals are funny. <laughs> All right, questions permitted. Yeah, speaking of soccer this comes from nautical nan on instagram and this question is for you first she has a really (laughs) lovely comment nautical Um, nan mm -hmm. and then a question Mm. she says i just want you and lynn to know that i love your podcast i listen to at least one podcast per day to get a boost thank you nan oh julie this goes to you what or who inspired you to be such a great soccer player Oh, gosh. What or who inspired me? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there really wasn't a who because we didn't have any female role models back in the day hmm. to play, especially in the soccer, in the soccer world because we were the first gen, really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would say it was more what. I just loved being part of a community. I've always been like that. Uh, I was a hyperactive child that needed to run and and uh, and get that energy out. So I would say you're still a hyperactive child. Yes, who needs to get that energy out. <laughs> yes, I mean yep. that in the best way possible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, some things never change. I am. <laughs> somewhat of a peter pan uh and um and then uh you know when you're surrounded by awesome women mm. all the time and on the various teams going back to the mighty soccer ads go gray machine no, 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 nobody buses with the gray machine no, 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 nobody, nobody even attempts the scene the scene no, 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 nobody messes with the green machine because the, the green, green machine, machine is mean, mean. <sighs> boom uh, going back to the Mighty Soccerettes, when you're hanging around rad women all the time who are very like-minded and competitive and that competitiveness is embraced rather than shunned, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. So I think it was it was more my teammates that were the inspiration behind that. Thanks for the question, Nan. Nan, yes? Yeah. And thanks for listening every day, Nan. That's a lot of Lynn. <laughs> Do you remember we peaked at one? We peaked at one. And with that, thank you to everyone in our dope village. My village is dope for spending time with us. Oh, I need to check in with Carrie Walsh Jennings. I miss her. A big thanks. She's the one who came up with our dope village. A big thanks to our sponsors, Ally and Dick Sporting Goods and to Kate Diaz, of course, for our theme music. And as always, kids, remember, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. Julie, I'm setting the scene. Julie, (laughs) sitting in a leather... I snorted! I snorted! (laughs) I just snorted! (laughs) And they were too big. Who's the person running back and forth with the pants? I don't know. I never got her name. But... <laughs>